0: Now just, just to let you know there, we uh, are supportive, and the the church writes uh, a check, a small check for them. You know, we're not a big, gigantic church, but we try to help out. And uh, But that doesn't mean that we're trying to discourage everybody else from giving. So if you can give beyond what you give to, to our church, uh, and you're looking for a ministry, uh, missions work to give the, the funds to, this is a a really great uh, uh, ministry right there, so talk to them after church get some information so you can stay in touch and it's my hope and prayer that the the giving to their ministry from TBF will go beyond just the the general check we give each year, but that others will give as well uh, so that's great and uh, also be praying for our online ministry and the radio we've got we've got like a Couple from Olympia today listened to us on KGNW. Uh, we got a gentleman all the way from Virginia. Now, obviously, he didn't come to Bremerton just to visit TBF, but we got a gentleman all the way from Virginia that's been watching our stuff and listening to our stuff online. So, uh, so just pray for that that we can reach as many people as possible. We got um, Matt and is helping out with with Pat and stuff. We're trying to just figure out different ways to get the gospel message to as many people as possible, we know the time is short. We know that uh, the church is probably going to have to go underground in the near future. And so, uh, so just keep that uh, in your prayers as well. But I really encourage you to, to get behind at least with your prayers, if nothing else, but maybe even some financial support of the, uh, the ministry there in uh, northern Africa. And it sounds like that app. It sounds like there's a lot of guys and gals that probably like to start their own little home Bible studies. And you get a lot of good good help from that. So uh, so that's something to think about. And we're, you know, Jesus said, come follow me. He didn't say, uh, come follow me, I'll make you fish. He said, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And um, so... It's not the pastoral staff's job to do the ministry, it's to equip you so you can do the ministry. We're all on a mission from God. I know that probably bums out Bill Gates, but that is the fact. We're all on a mission from God. So if you open up now to Colossians, we're still in chapter 3 of Colossians. And we're going to be picking it up at verse 5. And then we'll be receiving the Lord's Supper after the message today. And uh, so let's uh, turn there and let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, in Jesus' precious name, we just love you, Lord. And um, we just pray, Lord, you know, the the people that are here today, there's, there's a remnant in Kitsap County and throughout the world. There's a remnant that loves you and loves your word. They're sick and tired of the fake news and the false wisdom of the world, and they want your truth. And so I pray, Lord, that, uh, you know, they took time out of their busy schedules to come here and to fellowship, to praise and worship you in song and to fellowship with believers and to pray, but they also came here to hear your word preached. And so I, I pray, Lord that your word would be proclaimed, your truth would be proclaimed, that you would cancel the fallible preacher and anoint me with your spirit, that you would fill me and empower me to proclaim your truth so that I would not lead anyone astray. Give everyone here the courage to test what they hear today with the scriptures, and if it fails that test, they just toss it out. I pray, Lord, that uh, as we open your word, Um, that you would cause us all, through the power of the Holy Spirit, enlighten our minds to understand your truth and empower us to obey your truth so that we could be pleasing in your sight, through your power, and for your glory. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Now, last week, we talked about the Apostle Paul. You know, he's dealing with these false teachings, that had infiltrated the Colossian church. And, uh, and so he, he told them, you know, don't give in to the faulty wisdom of man. Stand true to the word, stand true to the word of God. And uh, remember that you're complete in Christ. Uh, there's no uh, entity above Christ. Jesus is God, the second person of the Trinity. He became a man. Died on the cross for our sins, rose from the dead to conquer death for us. And so, Jesus is God, creator, sustainer, redeemer. Uh, he's the head, the ruler over all creation, even over the angelic beings. Don't demote Jesus. Jesus is not a local deity, and he is the head of the church. The U.S. government has declared war on the church. They think they could declare the church to be non essential. They think they can shut us down, as if uh, as if Joey Biden is the head of the church. He's not the head of the church. King Jesus is the head of the church, and uh, we're going to be we're the best citizens this country has. Bible believing Christians, but we're about to be trampled on. We're moving in that direction. It's happening. We got lots of people in prison right now, but we got to set our mind on heavenly things. That's a hard, hard lesson for Americans, because we got lots of toys. we got lots of goodies. Uh, I mean, you don't even have to think about bad stuff. Just come to one of our potlucks, man. There's plenty of food. And... But we got to set our mind on heavenly things, not on earthly treasures. Don't get too attached to this world. Focus on heavenly treasures. Hey, I don't know if you heard the news. 87,000 new armed IRS agents are going to be hired i don't know if that makes you feel good, you know you know i you know I can't make heads or tails out of the American tax system, so I pay certified public accountants to do my taxes uh they even even experts on minister taxes ministry taxes, but even they will tell you they can't make heads or tails out of it, so you want to nail people on a technicality, you can do that and um and so um just remember, our true citizenship is in heaven. We're just passing through. We're past, passing through. You might say, well, I, I might end up having 70, 80, maybe even 90 really horrible years on planet Earth. Well, fine, but you got an eternity of joy with King Jesus in a kingdom that will not be shaken. And the leaders of this world, whether it's the American government or the United Nations or the, the global state, um... Those are all shakable kingdoms. And everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And the only thing left standing will be the unshakable kingdom of God. So just, you know, you would be a good American citizen, but technically your citizenship is in heaven. And so if the world wants to beat us, and mock us, and trample on us, and imprison us, and even kill us, We're going to preach Jesus just the same. Okay? We live to preach Jesus. And so now Paul says, so so set your mind on heavenly things, not on earthly things. In verse 3 of Colossians 3, he says, for you died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. The old you died. Okay? If you're trusting in Jesus for salvation... The old you is dead. Okay? You might say, well, I don't feel like the old me is dead. Who cares what you feel like? Let God be true and every man a liar. If God says, look, if you trusted in my son Jesus for salvation, you're dead. The old you is dead and gone, and now you're a new creation in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 So if the old you died, act that way. You're not who you used to be. You're a new creation in Christ. The story goes of St. Augustine, who was a very immoral man before he became a Christian, and an immoral lady was walking by when he was out in the town, and he was walking by her, and she recognized him, and he put his head down and just kept walking, and she said, Augustine, Augustine, and he just kept walking and passed her, and then she ran up to him, grabbed him by the shoulder, and turned him around. She said, Augustine, it is I. And his story goes that Augustine said, yeah, he's still looking at the ground. Yes, but it is not I. And then he just kept walking. It's his way of saying the old Augustine is dead I'm a new creation in Christ. And that was one of the key factors of me staying in Washington State. I found, found my, my pretty lady here. I found King Jesus here. And then I thought, if I go back, I'm not the same guy I used to be. All the guys that loved me probably would hate me. And the guys that hated me would now love me. I mean, it, just, it was just a weird thing. And, uh, but the old you died. You're a new creation in Christ. Act that way. All God's Word is saying, act like you're redeemed. Act like you're saved. Okay? Um, again, it, it's like taking a dead dog on a leash for a walk around the block. When we sin, that's how unnatural it is. Because now we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and we have the power, through the power of the Holy Spirit, to say no to sin. Okay? And... um so the old you died, you're a new creation in Christ, you're not who you used to be, act like a new creation in Christ. And so Paul says, put on the new man, and put to death sinful desires. So it's kind of like, you literally die, when you trust in Jesus for salvation, you died with Christ, you were raised a new life, you're a new creation in Christ, And now Paul says, so you have a new standing before God through faith in Jesus, okay? And now Paul's saying, act that way. And so he's saying, your experience needs to meet your standing, okay? Let's say uh, if I were the son of a king, but... I decided to just be lazy and be homeless and get drunk and wear the same clothes day after day and stuff like that. Even if I were the son of a king, if I'm not acting like the son of a king, people aren't going to be able to tell that I'm the son of a king. We're all sons and daughters of King Jesus. We need to start acting that way. Okay? And um, and there's lots of ways that we don't act like we belong to Jesus. Um, Sometimes, you know, I I think we ought to keep up with all this political stuff that's going on, and believe me, the church is, 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 that's the big target right now for this godless government, not just here in America, but throughout the world, Jesus said, "Before He comes back, you'll be hated in all nations because of Him." And um, and I think we're seeing, we're getting close to those days, getting close um, to Christ's return. And um, and so we, we've got. This is not the time to be a Sunday Christian. If you if you died in Christ. And now you're raised a new life, you need to live that way, okay? And, uh, and I'm telling you if you don't live that way, you need to do some soul-searching. Because if you don't act like a believer and you don't think like a believer, um, after a while you got a question, am I really saved? Paul told the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 13:5, "Examine yourselves to see if you're in Christ." Okay, And uh, we need to examine ourselves to see if we really are believers of the Lord Jesus. So look at verses 5 to 11. Paul says, put on the new man. So he's, he's saying, your experience should reflect your standing. If you're a believer, act that way. If the old you is dead, act that way. If you're a new creation in Christ, act that way. So Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 to 11. Therefore, put to death your members. That's the the different parts of your body. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth. Fornication, that's sexual immorality, any sex outside of of marriage between a a man and his wife. Uh, So put to death your members which are on the earth fornication or sexual immorality, uncleanness, passion, evil desire. You don't have to do something to sin. You can have evil desires, and that's sinful. And covetousness, which is idolatry, covetousness, uh, uh, you know, when you covet something that others have, okay, Uh, we don't think of that as idolatry, but You know, idolatry, worshiping idols, false gods, anything you love more than you love Jesus, that's your God. If you love anything more than you love Jesus, you're an idolater. Okay? And and so Paul mentions these sins that we need to put away. He says, because of these things... The wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. And so Paul's saying, look, because of this behavior, God's wrath and his anger is going to be poured out, his eternal wrath, upon the godless for, for these things. Why in the world would the sons and daughters of the Lord act like them? It's like a lot of talk in politics about draining the swamp. And there is a deep state, there is a swamp of non-elected officials who can bring down presidents if they want. They can bring down any one of us if they want unjustly. They can protect criminal politicians left and right. Um, uh, And, you know, so there is a swamp. Well, why should we act like those in the swamp? If we're children of the king and God's going to bring down the swamp, why should we act like the people of the swamp? Okay? Okay. And uh, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. Okay? Never forget where you came from, who you were before you came to Jesus. Now, we've got to be real careful about this, because a lot of Christians will write testimonies, they'll write a book about their testimony. And the first 15 chapters are all about the horrible sins they committed. Then in chapter 16, they read John 3.16. They turn their lives over to Jesus. They get saved. And after a while, I wonder, you know, the book will sell a million copies. And I wonder, does anybody read chapter 16? Maybe we Christians are enjoying all the, the sin part. So it's very difficult. In fact, I think I've only shared my testimony. You know, I've been saved for what? 41 years now, and I think I shared my testimony four or five times. And each time it was very reluctant, reluctantly. And um, because you don't want to bring glory to yourself, you want to bring glory to the Lord. The other side of that coin is never forget where you came from. You know, I'll be honest with you. You give me details about your background before you came to Jesus, some of you are going to freak me out. Okay? and I'll probably freak some of you out, okay? Um, So never forget who you were before God's saving grace intervened in your life, okay? And so Paul's telling, he's saying, look, we're new creations in Christ, the old you is dead, so stop committing these sins that are prevalent in the world. God's going to judge all that garbage, okay? Now, you used to be there, it used to be normal for you to wallow in the mud of sin, but that's not you anymore. Uh, by the way, there's a little voice in your head when you cave into sin, especially if it's a habit that you're having a hard time breaking. There's a little voice in your head. It says, oh, this is too strong of a temptation. I've got to give into this. I can't resist this. That little voice in your head, that's the evil one. That's not from God. God's word says that the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Through the Lord Jesus, we have the power to say no to sin. Okay? And so, um, I'm not just saying that we Christians need to show others that we're not who we used to be. We need to show ourselves by allowing the Holy Spirit to control us we need to show ourselves that we're not who um, we used to be. And um, and so Paul tells him, he says, okay, you guys used to live in these, this sinfulness, but then verse 8, but now you yourselves are to put off all these, put off anger and wrath and malice and blasphemy and filthy language out of your mouth. Okay, um, you know, God's word commands us to be angry, but that's the anger, the righteous anger of God. If we're okay with a million babies being killed before they're born each year in America, if we don't get angry about that, okay, something's wrong with us. Okay? If there's government slaughtering their people and infringing upon their God given rights, if we're okay with that, and we're not angry, there's something wrong with us. At the same time, Paul says in Ephesians 4.26, be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. So when the Spirit of God causes you to be angry at horrible sinfulness, don't let the sun go down on it. The Holy Spirit is calling you to do something. But whatever you do, don't sin. Okay? So, uh, joining peaceful protests, March for Life against abortion, things like that, that, those would be good things to do. Uh, Voting for officials who are opposed to abortion, but things like blowing up abortion clinics, things like that. No, those, and by the way, everybody that I know of that has done that had psychological issues. A history of psychological problems, so... I think most pro-lifers are very, very peaceful. But that's not the anger that Paul's talking about here. He's talking about the anger of man, which James tells us in James chapter 1, verse 20, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. The anger of man is usually, I'm angry because you made my life uncomfortable. I'm angry because you're butting heads with me. Okay? Uh, The anger of God is when you're so in love with God, you want things to be the way He wants them to be. And then you humbly, acknowledging that you're not perfect, you humbly align your will with God's will and you say, I will do what you've called me to do. And it's here. Sometimes it might just be pray. Other times it's going to cost, okay? And, um, but we've got to get rid of anger, wrath, malice, evil thoughts, blasphemy, speaking against God, uh, some people even calling themselves God, filthy language out of your mouth. Let me tell you, um, many of us work at a secular job site. We work with non-believers. And I don't think you should have to tell a person on the job site, I am a Christian. If they can't figure it out, just working with you for a couple days, um, something's wrong there. Okay? But if you're going to, if when they tell dirty jokes, you laugh, and then you throw tell a dirty joke yourself, okay, you act like the world. You say, oh, I want to be cool with these guys. Okay, I can remember when I worked law enforcement for ten years, and even the Marine Corps before that. Um, I can remember just to, to do the right thing, to stand up for what is right. I often caught ridicule for that, and um, but you do the right thing, and you represent the Lord in word and deed. And you're going to catch flack for that, but that's okay. Jesus said, "If the world hates you, knows hated me before it hated you." And uh, but we shouldn't have filthy language coming out of our mouths. Paul says in verse nine, "Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds." Okay, we shouldn't be liars. Okay. We should be truth tellers. Um, I tell you, we live in a culture. We have lived in a culture for some time now that doesn't love Jesus anymore. This is not Grandpa's America. And so, it used to be thirty years ago, I could get in trouble leading a Bible study at Barnes and Noble um, just for teaching people the Bible. So you get, you can get in trouble. You can make people uncomfortable and angry at you uh, for talking Jesus talk. That was in the 1990s. Now you get in trouble if you just say any truth. There's an 80-year-old lady in this state. I forget, forget what town, Washington State, made national news. Usually when we make national news, it's bad. I don't want to diss on, on Washington. We got some good news that went national. I guess Anthony Fauci at the Mariners game got to throw out the first pitch. And he got booed by everybody. So, so, so there's still hope for Washington there. Um, uh, now the other side of the coin. An 80-year-old lady at the YMCA sees a man in the locker room wearing a ladies' bathing suit, okay, and staring at the little girls. And so this 80-year-old lady scolded him, and she got banned from the Y. And then they had the city council, and somebody filmed it, how this guy's saying, no, we're going to be very tolerant and very inclusive. And he's talking about the 80-year-old lady as being the evil person. And the guy with the bathing suit, let me say something about this Y. I don't know if they're still doing it, but when I lifted weights at the Y, I was in the bathroom washing my hands, and a young guy that was on staff walked in. He saw me, and he He left. And this is when Washington State, and it's still, still the way it is, that guys want to go in the ladies' bathroom or, or vice versa. It's, they can do it legally in the state. And uh, so that applies even to the why. So this young guy walked in, took one look at me, walked out. I thought, boy, that was weird. I dried off my hands. I opened the door, and there was the guy and about eight or nine little boys that he was tasked with. And he said, have a nice day, sir. And I said, you too. And he let the eight or nine little boys in, and he closed the door. And he stood outside the door. So he's, it's like there's a policy, and then there's good people, you know. And I know they got a few Christians working over there. So, But pray for the why. you to—you got to do what's right. Your boss might say one thing. If God's word says something else, if you got to lose your job, you lose your job. Okay, we've got to make some tough choices here, and, uh, uh, but we've put off the old man. We don't lie to one another. Um, we speak the truth. And this is a country where you don't, have to, you don't have to talk about Jesus and get in trouble anymore. You just tell the truth, and you're in trouble. You get, if a world hates God, they're going to automatically, eventually hate truth. If they're going to hate God, they're going to hate goodness. Okay, And and if you're going to hate God, eventually your culture is going to hate your neighbor. And you're going to treat each other like trash. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. So, we're new creations in Christ. We're a new man or a new woman. Okay? And we're renewed in our minds through the power of God in accordance with the image of Jesus. And, uh, you know, we were created in God's image and then we fell into sin and we perverted that image. Okay? Then Jesus comes and Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 says, he is the image of the invisible God, because he's God become a man. And then Romans 8, 28-30 tells us, we're going to be fully conformed to the image of God's Son. So the whole, you can sum up the whole Bible as the, the image of God. Created in his image, then fallen, we lost that image, we've perverted it, we corrupted it. Then Jesus came in the image of God, God the Son become a man, provide salvation for us, and then if we trust in him for salvation, he starts the work of conforming you to his image. Now, I don't know about you, but I usually don't feel like I'm reflecting the image of God to any great degree. God's got work to do on me. And it, sometimes, it doesn't even have to be. It's not just like, you know, oh yeah, I, I outwardly did this, I outwardly did that. What about your thoughts? Some of us outwardly look pretty pretty good, but inwardly we still get angry at others. Now, Jesus said, you've broken the command, thou shalt not commit murder if you just harbor angry thoughts towards another person. Okay? If you lust after someone... Um, you've already broken that command. Thou shalt not commit adultery in your heart. And so God wants to change us from within. Fight fight that battle in the realm of the mind. Allow the Holy Spirit to change the way you think, to change the way you see people, to change the... Just change you from the inside, to cleanse your heart, because from that overflow of the heart, that's going to impact uh, your behavior. And... Uh, and so we've got to put on uh, the new man in Christ and be renewed, be transformed into the image of Christ. Now, that work will not be complete, complete until Jesus comes back. But Paul says, you've got to get busy on that, brothers. You've got to get busy on that, sisters. Look at Romans 12, 1 and 2. Romans twelve one and 2. Paul's saying the same thing in different words here. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So we no longer offer dead animal sacrifices. Now we offer God a living human sacrifice, our own bodies. You know, I was asking Rachel, I noticed Jared, every time he comes back, his arms get a little bigger, okay? And uh, so I said, what kind of workouts is he doing, okay? Well, let me tell you this, and Jared's not doing this, if you're working out just to bring you glory, if you're like, Man, I want to be the most buff guy in the room, that's called sin, okay? But if you're working out because you're saying my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, and for me to do what God's called me to do, I can do that more effectively if I stay in good shape. Okay? And, um, and so, uh, but the, the key there is, even when you feed yourself, are you feeding yourself because you're saying, I just like to eat? Okay? Or are you feeding yourself because you're saying, I need this nourishment to strengthen my body so I can live for Jesus today? And I wish I could say, yeah, that's always my reason for eating. And then when you see the cake and the ice cream, you're kind of like, that's not going to help you. That might help you meet Jesus a little quicker, but that's not going to help you in your service of Jesus and so you're, when you think of your body, even when you think of rest, even when you sit down and say, I'm going to watch a football game today. Well, maybe God wants you to watch a football game and relax. Just get a break from the stress. But after three co- consecutive college football games, none of which my favorite team is playing in, on a Saturday afternoon where I, I actually get stuck to the couch. It gets so hard to get out of the couch. And he, can I honestly say, yeah, God wanted me. God called me to take that Saturday and watch three consecutive football games. No, so when you rest, you rest for the Lord. Okay, Even warriors going into combat need good rest. Um, when you work out, you work out because my body is in service to my king. Okay, When you nourish yourself, you do it to strengthen yourself to do God's work. And so you ought to be offering your body as a living sacrifice before the Lord. Live for Jesus, not yourself. Verse 2, and do not be conformed. Don't be outwardly conformed to this world, but be transformed. That means be inwardly changed. Be inwardly transformed by what? The renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable, and perfect will of God. You want to find God's specific will for your life? Okay? You need to allow the Holy Spirit to renew your mind, to transform you. That happens by devotionally studying God's Word, by fellowshipping with other believers, through a solid prayer life, through obeying God's Word, and God will begin to change your mind So you'll start to take on the mind of Christ and think like Jesus thinks. And that's the way it should be as the the new man. Now back in Colossians, so we're to put on the new man. We're to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. You might say, well, you know, Pastor Phil, I'm, I'm a Christian, but I've never been much of a reader. So I'm going to just, you know, grow in leaps and bounds and never study the Bible. Let me tell you, if you're not much of a reader just put on I don't know how to do it but take out your smartphone put on the sound and go to go to your favorite version of the bible and listen to the bible okay you got no, we got no excuse the jews would have to wait for saturdays to get in line at the synagogue to to uh memorize a portion from the uh, scroll of isaiah okay we don't have an excuse in America, there are way more Bibles in America than there are people. Okay, and um, and so we need uh, to put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge by the transforming, the inwardly changing of our minds, so we're renewed in Christ and in His Word, uh, so that we'll be renewed according to the image of Him who created Him. Okay according to the image of God. Okay, so you need, if you're a believer, you need to be conformed to the image of Christ. That work's not going to be done until Jesus returns, but people ought to see some changes. You know, it, it, you might see a believer and you might say, man, how is this guy a believer, man? He's really, he's really sloppy in his walk. Well, maybe the guy's been saved for a month. Okay? So don't, you know, you don't, you know, accept Christ. You know, you're not like Al Capone. You accept Christ, you go to sleep, and you wake up in the morning, you're Billy Graham. I wish it happened that way. It doesn't happen that way. Okay? So, um, but at the same time, if you've been saved 20 years, and you're still that babe in Christ? I think that's only in America you can get away with that. People say, yeah, he's a believer. He just doesn't act that way. Um... No, we got... God wants... God's goal is to renew all believers and conform them to the image, transform them into the image of His Son. We ought to be moving in that direction. Was I perfect today? No. Hopefully, I was better than I was yesterday. Okay? Just keep moving forward uh, through the power of God and for His glory. Now... If God wants to conform you to the image of his son, he wants you to be Christ-like. He wants you to be like Jesus. Well, if you're conformed to God's image, okay. if you're conformed to the image of Christ, then Paul says in verse 11, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Now, part of what Paul's saying is that uh, if you're a Gentile and you get saved, you don't need to get circumcised and convert to Judaism. Jew and Gentile, equal footing, uh, we're equal in Christ, okay? So no need for circumcision for Gentile believers, but this is also saying there's no, no place for racism. In fact, racism is really stupid since there's only one human race. A lot of varieties. You know, I, I was half Portuguese, grew up with the Italians. A lot of differences between the two. Okay? A lot of varieties among humans. Sometimes we look a little different. Sometimes we act a little different. Okay? And there's a beautiful unity and diversity among the human race, but we're all united in Christ. So what's important to God, what's important to God should be important to us. And what's important to God is not that you're white, whatever that means. I wasn't white when I grew up in Jersey, and then I guess in the 1990s I became a white guy without knowing it. But, um, but it does, God's not concerned that you're a white guy, black, Asian, Native American, Hispanic. God's not concerned about that. God's concern is, are you like my son? Are you saved? And if you're saved, the Holy Spirit's going to indwell you and start working on your heart and making you more and more like Jesus each and every day, okay? And um, let me tell you, it's, it's you know, the gospel is going to be preached to all nations before Jesus returns. So the most diverse entity on the planet Earth is going to be the church, the kingdom of God. Don't let people fool you. Don't let people look at, you know, people who claimed to be Christians and really weren't, and the horrible sins they committed. Let me tell you something. What's important between me and you is not who your people are, where you came from. It's not the color of your skin. It's not whether you're rich or poor. I want to know if you're Jesus' people. That's the important thing. When you come to the Lord Jesus on bended knee, you become part of a kingdom in which there are no second-class Christians. The Jews aren't above the Gentile believers, and um, we're all equal in Christ. We're brothers and sisters. We need to get along with each other. We need to love each other. Right now, the government is slamming the church. You think the government's your friend? Why do 87,000 IRS agents need to be armed? Um, government's not your friend. In this world we have tribulation, but we need to take courage. Jesus has overcome the world. Uh, government's not your friend. You're looking for love? Don't go to the White House. You're looking for love, don't go to the U.N., You're looking for love. You go to the foot of the cross. You're looking for love. You go take a look at an empty tomb. You're looking for love. You turn to the risen Christ. And you long for the day when he will return and take his stand upon the earth and make things right on planet earth. Until that day, we're not going to be loved by the world We're not going to be loved by the governments of this world. But we stay true to Jesus. And uh, we get out of the way and let the Holy Spirit conform us into the image of God's Son. And to Him be all the glory. Now as Christians, we do this crazy little thing called celebrating the Lord's Supper, remembering Jesus' death and resurrection for us. So Pastor John's going to lead us in that. We could kick some of the men to pass out.